Amen. I want to thank the band for showing up on this day and being here. Um, and um, I especially, um, Larry, this is Larry Harper's first day in the band playing bass. Um, and now he's beginning to wonder what he's committed to. Um, but, you know, this isn't any worse than delivering cows, right? Um, in the middle of the winter, Larry. Um, you all can be seated. Um, I thought I'd better light the candles so that we can uh, celebrate Christ's presence among us of this day. Um, I had really intended continuing faith and politics, and we will do that next week. Um, I was going to begin to tackle over a couple of weeks some hot topics um, in faith and politics, but uh, yesterday when the weather turned and I began to think about it, it's like, I'm not sure I really want to tackle any of those hot topics if there might not be more people in the sanctuary so I can see your faces and get some feedback on how it's going. Um, so we're going to put that off a week. Um, and so hopefully more people will be able to come next week. And so instead, as, uh, as we uh, began to think about what we might talk about today, uh, Deb suggested that uh, since it's Super Bowl Sunday, I ought to talk about being fans. And so I want to invite those of you at home, um, I just want to invite you, what kind of a Kansas City Chief fan are you? And, and let me give you, like, if, if the game were at Arrowhead today, and you could go for a buck a person, how many of you would be there no matter what the weather was like? All right. Now, now wait a second. You, the, no, never mind. I won't pick on you about 50, 50 degrees in here, and that's but. Oh, oh, so it'll be colder. <laughs> now, I know, I know like Don and Lynette Harrison are jumping up and down. We'd be there. We'd be there. In fact, they may even be at Arrowhead Stadium today. I don't, uh, did you all go down there so you could sit at the stadium and watch it on the big screen? Uh, let, let us know. Um, and I don't know, like Jim and Kurt, uh, Jim Ocker, Kurt Thompson, um, I'm pretty sure that uh, they would be at the stadium if the game were here. Uh, today, and especially if it were not too expensive, right? So, so uh, hopefully you've shared that. Um, if, if you don't really care about the Chiefs, I hope you didn't put that in the chat box. Um, you know, I, I'm afraid people will think a lot less of you. Uh, but um, well, what, what kind of a fan are you? Of the, I mean, you, you know, I got to admit, I'm kind of a late Kansas City Chief fan. Um, I lived on the east side of the state. Um, grew up being a St. Louis Cardinal football fan. Uh, uh, when they left, I kind of started watching other football teams because I was mad at them. I'm no longer a Cardinal fan because they deserted us. And then we got the Rams, kind of a, I, I don't know, they were never a St. Louis team, you know. They, they came for a while. Um, and then when they left the second time, it's, it's like, okay, I don't care. If any other team comes to St. Louis, I'm going to follow the Chiefs. Um, and you, I've done pretty good. Yeah, I've done pretty good. I've got them in the Super Bowl twice. I mean, I'm taking all the credit for that. No, you all don't think so. You don't think I had much to do with that. Um, uh, so, so that's the kind of fan I am. I know there are some of you who were like just born Kansas City Chief fans. You don't even know what it's like not to be a Kansas City Chief fan. Um, but but um, it, it, the reality is, is that no matter how much you love the game or you love the Kansas City Chiefs, you are nothing more than a fan. Now, for some of you, you're offended that I said that, uh, but you're nothing. You are not the one that 
wins. Y'all do know that? Some of you are like, uh, no, you're wrong. Um, but, but it's the folks on the field, it's the folks in the game um, that really determine who wins the game, right? Um, as fans, we can cheer them on and yell, and, and we can celebrate when there's a big hit. Um, and especially if you're like me, I celebrate that I wasn't in the middle of it and I didn't experience it, yes? Uh, so we can, we can celebrate those things. We can get, some of us can get so close to the game there in the stadium and I've never understood why anybody wanted to go to any kind of football game in this kind of weather and watch it. For those of you who said you'd be there, I think you're crazy. But uh, that's just me. Um, you know, I, first of all, I can see the game a lot better by my fireplace. Um, and, yeah, you don't want to hear it. You're, you're going to come and tell me how I'm all messed up. Um, but there are different kinds of fans. Yes, there's fair weather fans, and there are those rabid fans like the... Um, like the Harrisons, um, who, who text every Sunday to show me pictures of them watching the Chiefs game. Um, but the same can be true when it comes to our Christian faith. In fact, um, several, several years ago, Kyle Eidelman wrote a book called Not a Fan. He wrote a book called Not a Fan, suggesting, in fact, that within the church, there are many folks who are... Um, Nothing more than fans is the way he put it. Uh, they are people who are enthusiastic about, uh, about Jesus, and they, they know about Jesus, and, and they're willing to cheer on, and, and all of that. Uh, he says there are people who want to be close enough to Jesus to experience all the benefits uh, of Jesus, uh, but don't want to get too close because um, they don't want to... Um, they, they, they know that something might be required of them. Uh, they're much, they much more would rather watch the game and cheer it on than engage in the game. Because engaging in the game can be dangerous and painful and require sacrifice. And, and so um, I just love his book called Fan or, or Follower. And so um, we're going to unpack um, some of that today. And, and after all, he said, you know, Jesus in Luke uh, chapter 9, Jesus says, if anyone wants to become my follower, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Uh, there's another passage in John chapter 6, um, beginning in verse 22, and I think I'm going to read all of these. It's uh, from, from chapter 6, verse 23 through 69, a pretty long passage, and, and yet I think it's an important passage uh, for us to hear. It's one of these examples of, uh, of Jesus encountering folks and um, challenging them, asking them if they're going to be fans or followers. And so I invite you to hear these words, beginning in verse 22. The next day, the, uh, the crowd remained on the other side of the lake. Jesus is in Galilee, and, and you know if you've read the stories, he goes back and forth across the Lake of Galilee. Um, the crowd was on the other side of the lake. They realized that only one boat had been there, and so they knew that Jesus had gone with his disciples, but that, the, that he hadn't gone with his disciples, but that the disciples had gone alone. Some boats came from Tiberias near the place where they had eaten the bread over which the Lord had given thanks, the feeding of the 5,000. 
when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into their boats and they came to Capernaum looking for Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus replied, I assure you that you are not looking for me because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate all the food you wanted. Uh, Don't work for food that doesn't last, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the human one, uh, the Son of Man, will give you. God the Father has confirmed him as his agent uh, to give life. This is the way Jesus talked about himself as the Son of Man or the human one, and we'll hear that throughout this passage. They ask, what must we do in order to accomplish what God requires? And Jesus replied, this is what God requires, that you believe in him who God sent. They ask, what miraculous sign will you do that we can see and believe in you? What will you do? Our ancestors, they ate manna in the wilderness, just as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus told them, I assure you, it wasn't Moses who gave the bread from heaven to you, but my father gives you true bread from heaven. The bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said, sir. Give us this bread all the time. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I told you that you have seen me, and you still don't believe. Everyone whom the Father gives to me will come to me, and I won't send away anyone who comes to me. I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the one of him who sent me. This is the will of the one who sent me, that I won't lose anything that he has given to me, but I will raise it up at that last day. This is my Father's will, that all who see the Son and believe in him will have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. The Jewish opposition, they grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They asked, isn't this Jesus, Joseph's son, whose mother and father we know? How can he say How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Jesus responded, don't grumble among yourself. No one can come to me unless they are drawn to me by the Father who sent me, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has listened to the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one who has seen the Father except the one who is from the Father. He has seen the Father. I assure you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that whoever eats from it will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever, and, that, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Then, Jesus, then the Jews debated among themselves, asking, how can this man... How can this man give us his flesh to eat? I'm going to skip over some of what's here, and I'm going to jump to uh, verse 60. It says, many of his disciples who heard this, they said this message is harsh. Who can hear it? Uh, This message, um, Jesus knew that the disciples were grumbling about this, and he said to them, does this offend you? What if you were to see the human one going up where he was before? The spirit is the one who gives life. And the flesh doesn't help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Yet some of you don't believe. Jesus knew from the beginning who would, 
who wouldn't believe, and he knew the one who would betray him. He said, for this reason I said to you that none can come to me unless the Father enables them to do so. At this, many of his disciples turned away and no longer accompanied him. And Jesus asked the twelve, do you also want to leave me? And Peter answered, Lord, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are God's holy one. Everyone with ears to hear, hear the words of God this day um, and respond to them. I I remind us as we listen to this and there's a conversation about eternal life. um, I I should have mentioned this beforehand, but it's always good to remind us when we hear these passages that talk about eternal life. uh, Jesus and scripture is not talking about life after we die. Eternal life is life with God in the here and now. It begins when we decide to walk with Jesus now. And so this eternal life that Jesus is talking about that he offers people is not a life for after they die, but it is a life for now. It is a life of flourishing for now. But as we look at this passage, we see that in Jesus' day, there were lots of people who were following Jesus around. They were going from town to town, seeing what Jesus was teaching, seeing his miracles. They were happy to be a part of the crowd who followed Jesus around. And yet, they weren't so willing to be real followers and apprentices of Jesus. They weren't necessarily ready to get into the game. Look at at John chapter 6. We see Jesus basically saying, y'all came looking for me because I gave you a really good meal and you enjoyed it. And that's really what you're coming for. Uh, You all came after uh, looking for me because uh, you like the entertainment maybe. You like uh, the opportunity to see miracles. They even asked, they confirmed that they wanted more uh, than just to follow Jesus when they said, so what miraculous sign are you going to do? What are you going to do to convince us that we should follow you? Uh, They uh, were folks who maybe just wanted to see Jesus stick it to the Pharisees because they didn't like the Pharisees too much, yes? Um, Maybe um, they just came because they wanted Jesus to make them feel good. To make them feel like all was good. Maybe they came to Jesus because they wanted uh, the good life as they defined it. They wanted Jesus to affirm their dreams and their agendas. But it seems clear that they really weren't interested in Jesus' teachings, at least putting them into practice. They weren't really interested in getting close enough to Jesus that their own lives might be touched and changed. They were okay with being a part of the crowd who knew about Jesus, who knew everything there was to know about Jesus, uh, but they didn't necessarily want to know Jesus and to be in a relationship with Jesus because Jesus could be a bit demanding. He might call people uh, to take up their cross, deny themselves, and follow him. They were okay with being around uh, Jesus when he was popular, 
Um, they were okay with that, but as soon as people started to turn, we'll see later as we get closer to Easter, we'll see that people begin, the crowds begin to abandon Jesus and even turn on Jesus when it no longer seems to be the popular thing. They're okay with following Jesus when he embraced their agenda and affirmed their dreams for how things should be. But they weren't so sure that they wanted to follow Jesus when he challenged their agenda and suggested maybe their agenda was wrong or maybe that they needed to change directions. Maybe they needed to stop listening to their tribes. Maybe uh, they were fine with challenging Jesus or following Jesus until he challenged the way that they lived their lives. They were fine with following after Jesus. Except when he suggested that they enter into difficult situations and conversations and dialogues. They were okay with following Jesus uh, as long as there was great benefit to themselves. But they weren't so sure about following Jesus if it meant that they might have to sacrifice, if they might have to give up, if they might have to even suffer. They were okay with following Jesus as long as it looked like he was all for affirming and fulfilling their dreams and not demanding so much of them. But they're not so sure about following Jesus. They're okay with Jesus when he suggests that other people need to change their lives but uh, leave mine alone. They're okay with Jesus. Um, a, 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 they're okay with Jesus as long as he doesn't talk about money, uh, my money, and what I should do with it. But Jesus looks around. He looks around at this crowd, and in essence, I think he says, Here's the deal, folks. You're all in or you're not. There's no in between. You're all in or you're not. I require total life commitment. Don't follow me because you want to have some grand experience. Don't follow me because I dish out good food. Don't follow me for simply what benefits you can get. Follow me because you trust that I am the bread of life. I am the only place where folks can experience abundant, eternal life. A life where not only we as followers can flourish, but where others can flourish also. He says, I am the bread of life. And just as bread enters the body offering nutrients, true followers, true followers allow me to enter into all aspects of their lives. They allow the spirit to invade and penetrate every corner of their lives. They allow God to touch every cell and every element of their life. Surrendering and yielding to God so that they may be shaped and transformed into people who really live and love like Jesus. See, being a real follower means that you take Jesus into the very depths of your soul. It also means, it also enables us 
to stop standing on the sidelines and cheering. It enables us to get in the game. To get in the game, to participate in the mission of Jesus. You see, it's not an a la carte thing, Jesus says. You, you, you don't just take what you want and leave the other by the side. If you want to be my follower... If you want to be my follower, you can't just ask to be forgiven. You have to be willing to forgive others as we pray every Sunday in the Lord's Prayer. We can't just want to receive grace and mercy and not offer grace and mercy to other people. We can't can't hold on to our resentment and bitterness. We need to release it. We can't. We can't just decide that we're going to care for some people and not all people. We can't refuse to uh, care for the poor and the marginalized. We, We can't just take that which we have been blessed with and say, it is mine and I'll do with it what I want. We have to hold it with open hands and ask God how we can use it for God's kingdom work. And so the question for us today Really, the question is for us today, um, where do we stand? That verse, verse 66, it's one of the most heartbreaking verses in all of Scripture, I think. It says, many followers, many of these people who had been following Jesus around, they turned away and no longer accompanied him. They stopped following, they stopped listening, they stopped allowing uh, Jesus' words to flow upon them. And Scripture tells us Jesus turned to Peter. He turned to Peter and he said to Peter, Do you want to leave me also? Do you want to leave me also? And I think today that's part of as we gather together, Jesus says, do you all want to leave me also? Peter said, where would we go? Where would we go? You have the key to eternal life. You have the key to life. I hope today that as we, as we hear this, as we are, are challenged, are we going to be a fan or a follower of Jesus, that rather than being like the crowd who turned away, who walked away, who no longer accompanied Jesus, that we'll think today, am I a fan or a follower? Am I really a follower and apprentice of a Jesus, or do I just want to stand on the sidelines? Do I want to know about Jesus Or do I want to truly be connected in a relationship to Jesus uh, that is meaningful, a relationship that shapes me and forms me? Do I want to be a a fan who knows what Jesus teaches but just picks and chooses uh, whatever affirms how I already am? Or do I want to be a follower of Jesus who not only hears his teachings but seeks to put it into practice as I I allow the Holy Spirit to, to penetrate into the very depths of my lives? Do we want to be fans who stand on the sideline and who cheer everybody else on and say, go, go, go? Or do we want to be followers who engage in the game, who participate in the mission of Jesus Christ, who participate in the mission to reconcile and to deliver and to invite all into this same connection. Will we be fans or followers? 
Will we be those who seek to connect with Jesus, to grow in our relationship, and to go empowered by the Holy Spirit, discovering how we have been gifted to participate in the game so that we can celebrate when each and every new person connects and comes alongside us. Let us on this day, let us commit to be more than just fans. Let us commit to be all-in followers of Jesus. Amen.